Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. This is Adam Bergman, founder and CEO of iRay Financial. I'm here to help you find the answers to the most frequently asked questions from my clients about self-directed retirement accounts. If you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on social media. Just search iRay Financial. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of AdMail. I'm Adam Bergman, tax attorney founder of IRA Financial. And on today's AdMail, of course, three great, great questions. One involving a solo 401k and the next IRAs and vintage alcohol. Yeah, listen up. May be interesting. And then the third about rollover. So really good episode. Thanks to Barry, producer of the show, uh, for putting these together. Um, again, if you have questions uh, about any various topics in the self-directed time world, just send them in. You can email them to info at Financial or just send us a message on social media, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Just write in ad mail or ask Adam and your questions will find their way to me. So um, don't worry about it. They'll get to me. Just send them in. I got a slew of really good questions um, that are going to last me probably the next seven or eight months. But if you have a question, uh, that's good. I promise I will pop it in to an earlier podcast. So without further ado, let's get started. The first question. I have a solo 401k with IRA Financial. Love it. Quick question. Can an independent contractor I use participate in the plan? So this is from Terry R. of Worcester, Mass. The answer is, Terry, that independent contractors are not treated as employees, right? They're 1099s. They don't get W-2s. And thus, they're not eligible to participate in your 401k. So the good news is you don't have to offer them benefits into your solo K. So your solo K can still remain solo. The bad news is, you can't offer them benefits. So they're going to have to set up an IRA or they can set up their own solo 401k in the name of their sole proprietorship business. So in fact, they can have a solo K and contribute the 1099 income into their plan. And then you can have a solo K for your sole proprietorship business or single member LC or corporation. So long as there's no non-owner employees that work over a thousand hours. Now, spouses of owners are not treated as employees. So if it's just a husband-wife tandem, um, even though the wife or the husband may not be an employee of that business, it's still good. You still can set up a solo because the spouse is not deemed an employee. In your case, Terry, you have an independent contractor. Assuming you have no other employees, it's just the owners, you're good. You have your solo, and I'm glad you love it. Uh, it is the best retirement plan for the self-employed. Literally, out of the 23,000 clients Iron Financial has, I've said this many times. I would put every single one of them into a solo K if it's possible. Issue is not everyone's self-employed. Some people have Roth IRA funds, which can't be rolled into a 401k. So, so that's why the, the self-directed IRA um, is still you know, a, a very important uh, retirement structure uh, for millions of Americans. But if you're self-employed, even if you have a full-time job, if you have a side gig, and um, you're interested in using uh, that side gig as a um, segue into the solo case, you can use that as a retirement vehicle to contribute funds, uh, 20,500, 27,000 um, as employee deferrals plus profit sharing up to 61 or 67,500 in 2022. 
plus use the plan as a investment vehicle to do alternative assets like real estate or also as a vehicle to borrow up to 50,000 uh, bucks, it's a really great solution. And again, I would put everyone in it if possible. It just you know, doesn't always work out that way. So thank you for that question, Terry. Really, really good one. Second question is from YouTube. Can my self-directed IRA invest in a vintage alcoholic beverage fund? So again, can my self-directed IRA invest in a vintage alcoholic beverage fund? You may be thinking, well, of course not, Adam. Section 408M says that alcoholic beverages are collectible. So my IRA can invest in them directly. Now on its face, you're right, right? Alcoholic beverages could be deemed a collectible, a vintage wine, vintage whiskey, vintage champagne, uh, just like baseball cards or comic books. You should not be allowed, they're collectible. The thing is, if the IRA is not investing them directly, meaning the IRA is not actually owning the wine directly or the whiskey directly, but investing in an investment fund that's going to invest in these uh, vintage alcoholic beverage, there's something called the plan asset rules. And what the plan asset rules state for 401ks and IRAs is that if you own passively a fund and less than 25% are owned by retirement accounts, the assets that fund own is not treated directly as owned by the IRA or 401k. It's, it's treated as owned by the fund. Whereas if it's a flow-through entity and more than 25% are retirement accounts like IRAs and 401ks, the plan asset rules will treat that entity as a look-through and treat the owners as owning those assets directly. So in the case of you know, wine or art, other uh, collectibles, if you own it through a fund, technically, as long as the fund is owned less than 25% by IRAs or 401ks, the plan asset rules would not apply and thus it would be hard for the IRS to argue 408M that the uh, beverage or the collectible, uh, the IRA is actually owning the collectible directly and not owning a specific fund. So that 25% is the threshold for passive funds, okay? It's an active business, then it's actually a 100% threshold. If you're under that 100% an active business, um, you know, you're, you're most likely okay, although you could still be triggered. You still could trigger what's called the unrelated business taxable income tax, which is a whole different story, which could pose up to a 37% tax on that income. But just from a plan asset rule, which would basically prohibit the IRA or 401k from owning that uh, vintage alcoholic beverage or the artwork or comic books or baseball cards, that 25% threshold is key for passive investment funds. So it's a great question. Um, we've, we've done some partnerships with um, you know, art and vintage alcoholic beverage funds which clients have done um, you know, seemingly well in. It's, it's an asset class that's done well, continues to even do well uh, in 2022. So there has been demand. The key is just staying under that 25%. So the plan asset rules don't kick in. Third and final question on today's episode is from Facebook or Meta. I did a 60-day indirect rollover with my IRA a few months ago. Can I now do one with my 401k funds from my job? So it's a great question. So the way the rollovers work is... The 60-day rollover, you can do once every 12 months, and generally it applies separately to IRAs and 401ks. So once you do one in an IRA, it applies to all your IRAs, and you can't do another one for 60 days. If you do one in a 401k, it applies separately to your 401k, and if you have multiple 401ks, you can't do it for another 12 months, but there's no cross-testing between IRAs and 401ks. The problem is if you're in a 401k and you're under 59 and a half, you're likely not going to be able to do an indirect rollover. 
you're likely not going to get access to those funds, even for 60 days, unless you can show hardship um, or you leave your job or you're over the age of 59 and a half. So a lot of times the indirect rollover is not really an option if you're in the 401k world, uh, because if you're under 59 and a half and you're still employed, unless again, you can show hardship, you're not going to be able to satisfy a trigger and event rule. And therefore you're not going to be able to get access to those funds. Now, how could you get access other than a hardship? A loan. If your plan has a loan option, you can borrow the lesser of $50,000 or 50% of your account value. You can use that loan for any purpose, right? Whatever, whatever you want. But um, if you're looking to do that 60 day or it really uh, is gonna to be tough if you're under 59 and a half, it's likely not going to be an option for you. And that brings you to the IRA world. And it's another reason why IRAs are just a little bit more popular than 401ks other than having more investment options, investment choices, you also have more distribution choices. You don't need a trigger and event when you take money out of an IRA. You may have to pay tax if you're under 59 and a half or a 10% penalty, but you can still get access to your funds. Whereas in a 401k, you may not, right? If you can't get that loan or the hardship under 59 and a half currently employed, yeah, it's a shocker, but you can't touch the money. <laughs> They'd be Department of Labor uh, is not very trustworthy of us Americans and don't want us to just grab our retirement accounts whenever we want. Could do it in an IRA, can't do it in a 401k. So to answer your question, IRAs and 401ks, there's no cross-testing. The 60-day year applies to all your IRAs in the aggregate. That's once every 12 months, not a year, it's 12 months. And your 401k is in the aggregate, but you can do IRAs and 401ks to, separately, but or simultaneously. But once you do a 401k, it's aggregated for all your 401ks. The issue is if you're under 59 and a half, you're likely not going to be able to do the indirect. You can do a hardship if you have severe um, financial distress or you need the money for medical or education. Um, there are potential exceptions, but to just grab the money and use it for 60 days and return it, likely not in a 401k if you're under 59 and a half. If you're over 59 and a half, you should be able to do it so long as your plan allows for it. And again, you got to get it back in 60 days. If you don't, whatever you take out, subject to tax and a 10% penalty if you're under 59 and a half. And again, it's all your IRAs. So if you have seven IRAs, you can't do seven indirect rollovers. There was a, a famous case uh, several years back by a tax attorney um, who tried to argue that you could do it for every specific IRA. Why? Because publication 590, which discussed it, actually had a pretty misleading example, which seemingly suggested that you can do it, even though that wasn't the intent. From the IRS perspective. So he actually um, made that claim and um, the tax court ruled against him. He was a tax attorney uh, from DC and he just kind of wanted to do it to prove a point. So based off that case, it's clear that IRAs are tested in the aggregate. So one per all your IRAs every 12 months, but it's really a neat way to get tax-free penalty for use of that money if you just need it for a short period of time, whether it's under 60 days uh, for whatever purpose, right? Medical or God forbid, personal, whatever it is, you just need some quick cash, cash flow issue. You can do it once every 60 days. So great, great question. And thank you for um, those questions today. It was really enjoyable. Um, really love preparing for these, uh, for this podcast, especially because it's fun. Uh, I got some really, really good questions. Some of them I just can't um, kind of discuss on, um, on, video or, or uh, through a podcast because they're crazy, but there's some good ones um, that they're just kind of getting into kind of some shady 
stuff and I just don't want to share it with you because I don't want you to think that my clients you know, are, are that shady. Uh, some are, some just don't know the rules and some are super creative, um, but unfortunately the, the IRS isn't stupid. And so if it sounds too good and sounds too easy, it's probably not possible. So uh, thanks again for listening. If you're watching on YouTube, obviously, thank you so much. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel or give us a like if, uh, if you enjoyed the podcast. Hopefully you did. And um, that's it. Have a great day and talk to everyone again next week. Be well. Thank you.